0: Well, James chapter 2, beginning with verse 14, if you might follow along with me, James says, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, and one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? in the same way faith by itself if it is not accompanied by action is dead but someone will say you have faith and i have deeds james says show me your faith without deeds and i will show you my faith by what i do you believe that there is one god good and then listen to these last words of verse 19 i want to preach to you about today even the demons believe that and shudder our father i pray that you would help us today as we look into your word I pray that you'd give us a sense of understanding and a great sense of clarity of what uh, James is writing so long ago that still has relevancy with us today. Open our minds and hearts now to what you have for us in this portion of our service, and we'll be careful to praise you for that this morning. In your name, we pray. Amen. Well, James is writing to the in the first generation of uh, in the infancy of the church to the first generation of Christian men and women. The day of Pentecost has come, the Holy Spirit has fallen. Uh, Peter steps out, anointed by the Holy Spirit, steps out of the room that he is in and preaches a message so riveting that 3,000 of the people who were there to uh, uh, crucify Jesus heard his incredible words and decided to cast their lot with the side of Christ. And The church began with, uh, with, with great fanfare. And uh, they would enjoy, continue to enjoy success, as the book of Acts tells us. There would be times where thousands of other people would join the church, and it wasn't long until there was quite a Christian movement in the holy city of Jerusalem. And uh, the church was born. We know, though, that after a short time of, uh, of getting uh, some organizational structure together and, and of uh, getting an administrative team in place, that persecution began to break out on these Christians in Jerusalem. Uh, led by Stephen who is the first recorded Christian martyr who went to the synagogue one day and when given testimony time began to tell about Christ and, and infuriated the Jewish leaders so much they took him out to the edge of town and killed him. And uh, persecution began. And that's where we see the man for the first time in Scripture named Saul who was an incredible persecutor of God's people. And so we know that the Christians literally ran for their lives from the city of Jerusalem. James says it this way. I'm writing this letter to the 12 tribes that have been scattered, scattered by persecution. And although the persecutors must have believed that if they made it tough, if they made it hard to be a Christian, if they they made sure that it would really cost somebody physically to be a Christian, no one would want to be one, not realizing that persecution would have just the opposite effect. In fact, persecution becomes the key to spreading the gospel outside of the city of Jerusalem, as Jesus had told the disciples they were to do. For everywhere these people went, these Christians went, they took their story, they took their testimony, they took a fact of what God had done for them and Christ had done for them in their lives, and they lived their story. And it was so attractive that instead of scaring people off, more people began to join. And the Christian church had its movement begin. And James is the leader now, about 50 years after the death of Christ, James is the leader of the the church of Jesus Christ in the city of Jerusalem, right in the middle of the Jewish world. James writes this letter, of encouragement to these first-generation Christians you remember he's trying to encourage him and he tells him over in chapter 1 consider it pure joy when when trouble comes to you because God is at work and God is building you and God is establishing uh, some very significant things in your life persevere because God is there to help you say every now and then that's a good word for Christians in today's world Hold on to God. Life is not easy. Life has all kinds of difficult situations that, that we don't have anything to do to create. Sometimes we do create them. But life can be difficult for us because we are a Christ follower. But hold on. God is at work. And although we don't consider it pure joy when trouble comes, that was James' perspective of writing words of encouragement to these folks. And then he tells them a, a, a tremendous verse of Scripture, a tremendous biblical truth that we all need to take, for, for, uh, take to heart. He said, when you don't know what to do, ask God for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. He will give generously to all who ask. I have found in my own life that when you ask, when I ask God, He answers. Sometimes I don't really like the answer. Sometimes the answer is not what I want it to be. But I find that when I sincerely seek God and ask Him what to do, He will tell me. And so today we should never be to the point of saying, I just simply don't know what I should do. Oh, there might be moments, there might be days, there might be small times when when we're in a little bit of limbo. But if we will truly ask God for wisdom and what to do, He will respond. That ought to make every one of us say, Hallelujah, that God is so connected to us in that way. James offers words of encouragement to these folks. And he tells them, first of all, that they are blessed when they endure through these times of testing. He goes on in chapter one. I remind you to remind them that to remind these folks that that even though they're being tested and God is at work, that they should live to be a proper witness in the midst of all of that. For how they live matters. How they live affects those people around them who do not believe, and how they conduct themselves in difficulties of life really is important. You remember what James tells them. Be careful about what you say. Be careful about what you set your mind on. In fact, rid your mind of all pollution and begin to live faithfully for Him. And then James, toward the end of the first verse, the first chapter of this letter, uh, seems to take a real interesting turn to, to talk to them about how religious they are. Consider He tells them to consider what pure religion is, an undefiled religion. He seems to be saying, don't think that just because you are religious, you can survive this time of testing and live faithfully for God. Being religious is good. I think everybody ought to go to church. I think everybody ought to go to Sunday school, and everyone ought to be a part of a church activity somewhere, someplace, somehow. Being religious is good. But he reminds them that being religious is not enough to really connect them to God and to live a life that catches God's attention that will lead them all the way to heaven. Now he's moved past that progression. And James begins to tell them that what they believe also seems to matter. And in these verses I've read this morning from verse 14 through verse 19, he tells them something very interesting. I would uh, categorize it this way. He seems to say, do you have good theology? But I want to remind you that good theology is not enough to sustain you through difficult days in a victorious way that God intends. And good theology will not get you to heaven. Now, there's not many times in the church we say things like that. Theology is simply the study of God. Theology is simply understanding who God is and, and what, how God works. And James says, just because you have good theology, don't rest in that. It takes more to connect with God. It takes more to live a life that will take you all the way to heaven. Good theology is a must, but it's not enough. There are two things that our, church, that our world today needs to hear. It is that being religious is not going to be enough to take you all the way to heaven. We live in the most religious society that we know that has ever been. More people uh, count church membership as part of their routine. More people attend church, even though mainline denominations find their numbers going down. In America, there's a lot of people still going to church. We are religious in all of that. And to have a belief in God. Never before have I witnessed such professed belief in God, who God is and and those kinds of things. Then, then, we hear in a societal setting. Watch, watch uh, famous people uh, embrace uh, great life issues and hear how many of them will talk about God, and and have a, a, somehow a right concept of God. And we live in a world that believes in God, but the world stops short of believing God. James is saying to you, to, to, these writer, to these folks who he's writing to, having good theology is not enough to get you through the, the trial that you're in victoriously as God desires and to get you through to heaven, a message the church today needs to hear. In fact, James even makes this ridiculous statement, even demons believe in one God, even demons have good theology. I want to talk to you about that today. James doesn't say it here, but we know, and it needs to be said, that a belief in God and who God is is not enough. Jesus is not enough to live successfully for God and to make it all the way to heaven. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he will not have eternal life. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except but through me. James is making a very specific and even exaggerated point. You can believe in God, but that's still not enough unless you've gone through Jesus and accepted His sacrifice. Unless the blood of Jesus covers your sins. Unless we we, 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 we lose ourselves in the will of Jesus. We can have the right beliefs all we want to, but we will not make it. And I want to remind you today... Those of you that are in church today, so thankful that you're here. So I pray for, for you. I pray for you and, and just believe the God for the best of things for you. But I want to tell you, my dear brothers and sisters, it is not enough to come to church and believe in God, except a person be born again, that is you and I, Except unless we accept Jesus as our personal Savior and live for Him. We're not really getting far in an eternal sense. James says, In the 19th verse of chapter 2 of his letter, you believe in God, that's good. You believe in one God, good. Even demons believe that. And then he adds these two words, and shudder. I thought a lot about that this week. Demons are part of the angelic force that rebelled against God. And God kicked out of heaven. Bible says about a third of the angels following a high ranking angel named Lucifer uh, rebelled against God and tried to compete with God for control and God expelled them from heaven. A third of the angels and they have been from that day on to this day still trying to get back at God. The way they get back at God is through God's people. And do not be mistaken, the Bible says the truth about the devil that he is as a roaring lion raging to and fro across the earth seeking whom he may devour. And Folks, if I'm true to Scripture today, I must tell you that your life stands somewhere in the midst of all that testing. And your marriage and your relationship with your kids, everything you know about your life is subject to being attacked by the devil and his demons. I have found it interesting this week to study about about the fallen angels. Some people believe that there are billions of angels. Some believe there are trillions of angels. To think that a third of them were cast out of heaven, however you say it and whatever you believe, it is a whole lot of fallen angels. And they are working against us non-stop, around the clock, every advantage, every opportunity. That's why the Bible says so much. We must keep our mind fixed on Christ. We must seek to transform our lives by the renewing of our minds through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why the Bible says we need to live in, under the power of God's Holy Spirit because there is a warring force against us. And the thought about these demons and what they really believe. James mentioned an interesting statement. You believe in one God, that's good. Even demons believe in it. What do demons believe well, I found great uh, a, a bit of insight in Jesus' uh, interaction with the demonic world as recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Let me read some of these things to you. It's so extensive I didn't want to misquote it, so I wrote it down. Demons believe in the deity of Jesus, do you know? Mark chapter 3, verse 11 and 12 says, When they the demons saw Jesus, they, they bowed down to him and cried out with a loud voice, You are the Son of God! demons know his name in luke chapter 4 verse 33 the demons said what do you have to do with us jesus of nazareth demons know jesus divine origin mark uh, luke 4 and 34 uh, the demons said uh, said i i i know who you are you're the holy one of god they believe in a time set for their punishment Matthew chapter 8 and verse 27, the demon asked Jesus, have you come here to punish us before our time? Mark chapter 5 and verse 7 tells us that they believe in a torment of hell for the demon said to Jesus, what do you want with me? Jesus, son of the most high, God has promised, uh, uh, what are you going to do with us, Jesus of the most high? God has promised that uh, promise me that you will not torture us before our time. They know Jesus' absolute control. Matthew, uh, Mark 5 and chapter 11, they said, the demon said to Jesus, uh, for permission to enter the pigs, and he granted them so. Matthew chapter 17, they know they will be subjective to the power of Jesus' word. For when Jesus cast them out of a person, they came out. They know they must bow down to Jesus. In Matthew chapter five, they voluntarily bow down before Jesus. They recognize true preaching of the gospel. In Acts chapter seventeen, the servants, seven servants of Siva, the demons said, "These men are servants of the Most High God, being Paul and his companions who proclaim the way of salvation." Acts chapter nineteen, they know false prophets and false preaching. For the demons said, "Jesus, I know." And Jesus, I recognize, but I don't know who you are. And in fact, they beat the demons, beat these men up and tore their clothes off and sent them running down the street with nothing on. The demons know Jesus. They have perfect theology. Legendary pastor of Dallas First Baptist Church, Dr. Criswell, one time preached on this text and he imagined a scene where the devil himself came to church and walked down the aisle and said, I want to join this church. Dr. Criswell began to ask him the normal questions. He said to the demon, do you believe in the Bible? And the demon said, yes, sir, I do. It's all true. Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? The devil said, without a doubt. Do you believe in the virgin birth? And the devil said, yes, I was there watching it all in Jerusalem, in Bethlehem. Do you believe Jesus died on the cross? And the devil says, yes, I saw it happen. Do you believe Jesus rose from the dead? The demon said, absolutely, no question about it. Do you believe Jesus is coming again? Of course, the demon said. He said he would. Will you be faithful in attending this church? And the demon said to Dr. Chris, Well, I'll be here every time the doors are open. Finally, the pastor said, You've been going to and fro throughout the earth, wreaking havoc, causing pain, sowing discord, breaking up marriages, stirring up death and destruction, dragging people down with you into hell. Will you now repent of your sin and turn from your sin and bow your knee to Jesus? at that the devil said oh no I don't know about that I'm not interested in doing that I will not do that I want to tell you folks there is no such thing as a demon with bad theology one man has said one thing a Christian would never want to do is challenge a demon to a, to a, to a game of Bible trivia because they know what's in this book James said, having good theology is necessary, but it is not enough to get you through to God. And if you want to stand firm in your times of testing, you you have to to move beyond just a head knowledge of God. You have to embrace Him in your heart and as a center of your being and as your life. There will be no atheist in hell. There will be no agnostics in hell wondering if there really is a God in hell. There will be no one who has any doubts about whether the Bible is true and really the Word of God. There will be no no doubting of the things we hold dear to our hearts once a place of eternal destruction becomes one's home. James makes a very interesting point. Even the demons believe that there's one God. And then he says, and they shudder. What an interesting statement to make. He made his point by just simply saying the demons believe that, but but he adds this, this word, and they shudder. And uh, what does he mean by that? Well, it's one of those Greek words that has so many meanings to it. It's uh, not very clear in, in English uh, always. It means several things. It, it, it's a word that means making your hair stand on end. It's a word that, that means that we get our word frizzy from. If you've ever had frizzy hair, it's a, it's a word that means someone is scared so deeply that, that it makes their hair stand up on edge. What a great Halloween word, weak word, you know. It's, it, it, it means that, that, uh, that uh, they, they, it means the demons know the truth and it scares them to death. One writer has said, if you take this Greek word translated shudder and you, you add that you change the ending, meaning of Greek words, is usually dependent upon the last few letters of their word. If you change its ending and make it into a noun, it simply means freaky or freaked or the demons are freaked out by the truth of who God is I don't know if freak is a common word teenagers use anymore you guys use that yet at all I think it's maybe be kind of old my kids used to say something was really unusual they'd say it was freaky weird here's what the, here's what the writer said the, the demons know the truth about God and it freaks them out because they know that every promise in this book is true. They know that everything Jesus said will, has happened or will happen. They know that Jesus is King and Jesus is Lord. And every knee will bow down to Him. And every person that has ever lived will confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. They understand the supremacy of who He is. And it's caused me to say to myself this week, why in the church do we debate the theology of God's Word And we have any doubt in our minds. The demons believe in one God and they shudder because they know what's coming. We'd be scared to death if we knew what's coming. I think that's one reason the Lord says, trust me every day. I've asked the Lord a few times, could you just give me a hint about next week? Could you just give me just a little bit of insight into how this issue is going to be resolved? I, I I trust you, and I believe in you, and I believe that you're the hope I have, and I believe that you're going to re- resolve this for me. Could you just give me an idea of something that takes place? The Lord has been so impressed with me; He's never done that, but He says, "Trust me, and I will lead you through." If there is a message the church ought to get today from the writing of James, it is this very thing. The Bible is true, and God is is faithful, and God is real, and Jesus is real. And everything the Bible says is going to happen, will happen. And it will be a great day for those who have let Jesus be Lord of their life. I thought this week about Jesus' statement that in that last day, many people are going to come to me and say, Lord, Lord, we've done all these things in your name, and Jesus will say to them, to their shock, depart from me, I never knew you. Has to be what James is talking about in some ways in here. And so James says, when trouble comes, not, not enough to just be religious, you have to do more than that. It's not enough to believe in God, you have to do more than that. What does this all mean to us It simply means this, the truth, the simple truth of the scripture is what every person needs today, that we accept by faith, Jesus is Lord. We confess with our mouth, we believe in our minds, and we embrace the spirit and truth of of Christ crucified and risen for us. We accept Jesus into our life, repenting of our sins, and we live for him. Reading your Bible is important every day. I talk about that all the time. I'm more aware today than I've ever been in my life how important it is that these words become fixed in our minds. Praying is important every day. We ought to pray. We ought to begin our day to help with God, asking God for His wisdom, asking God to lead us along. We ought to trust Him more. We ought to believe with all of our heart. James is writing great words of encouragement to these first-generation Christians. He's also writing to the second generation to say, this is what we've learned that you ought to embrace in your life. And he's writing to all of us. No one needs to tell any of us that life has some real particular hard times in it. No one has to tell us that being a Christian does not exempt us from all of that. And sometimes it even, it even exaggerates the difficulties. Nobody has to tell us that, but James' words are true to us. Consider it pure joy if you are one of God's own, even in the midst of trouble, because God is at work in your life. He is doing some amazing things. He's not only blessing you, he's blessing those around you. He's not only trying to minister you, he's trying to minister to those around you who do not know me. And when you don't know what to do, ask God for wisdom I'm amazed that that James doesn't say, ask God for wisdom. And if you've been good enough this week, God will give it to you. Or if you've been a member of the church this long, God will give it to you. Or if you've gone to Sunday school this week, God will give it to you. James says, ask God for wisdom, and God will give it to generously to all who ask of him. And that's the truth of our scripture lesson today. Don't fall short of being religious. Just being religious and don't fall short of just believing in God. Go the extra step, go the extra mile. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. He's only one way to God and it's through Him. And God will take care of His folks. I've been visiting the last week a retired Amarillo police officer, hospital downtown Dallas, actually first cousin of Sharon Messer. We didn't know that until Wednesday night. He is trying, they've been trying to keep him healthy enough. To, to have a heart transplant, fifty eight years old. I saw him yesterday, and he said the doctor told me that I'm not strong enough, and, and there's really nothing they can do. He he has one bright ray of hope, but 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 that's it. He'll know about that in a day or so. But he said, you know, I've come to the realization that I'm gonna pull all this stuff out of out of my body and unhook myself. I'm gonna go home, and what days I have left, I'm gonna live it to the very fullest. And he said, I'm going to tell my kids and my loved ones and my friends all about Jesus. I want to be a witness of his strength and power. I want to turn people from their own life towards him. And though I may not make it, and though it looks like that I won't live long, they've told me maybe six months, I want to live those six months such a dynamic relationship for God that it helps him reach other people. I was moved by that today, by that yesterday. How biblical it is, how important it is. With the bright smile on his face, he said, You know what? I've decided I'm gonna win. I'm gonna go get a new heart and a new life. Or I'm gonna get a new home. And he said, Either way, God takes care of me. Well, folks, we ought to believe in God. I hope that you do. I hope you believe the right things about God. I hope you believe that God is such a God of love. He's not a tyrant. He's not a dictator. He's not out to slap us around and cause us trouble. He is on our side more than we even know. But I hope that you've progressed far beyond that to the point that you've made Jesus the Lord of your life today. Everything hinges on that. An interesting mindset James takes, written under the direction of the Holy Spirit. And be careful. The demons know what they're doing. They know God. They know everything that's going on. They are stronger than we are. The only hope we have in overcoming is by the power and blood and presence of Christ in our life. But thank the Lord, he is ours. And we so value him. Amen. Amen. What does it mean to us? Believe God. Hold on to God. Believe him with all your heart. He is our strength he is our hope he is our future and one day it'll all make sense and uh, one day we will join him in that great heavenly city and be glad that we persevered i was thinking this week you, you know some people talk about how hard it is to live a christian life but you know i don't believe there's going to be one person who will ever make it through the pearly gates into heaven that will say man the, the, the price to get here was too great the sacrifice was too intense I don't know if I'd have done that if I, I don't know if I'd have paid the price to, to be a Christian if I would have realized no one who makes it to heaven will say it's not worth it it will be worth it all the songwriter says when we see Jesus one glimpse of his dear face all sorrow will erase so bravely I'll run the race till we see Christ Amen and Amen Lord, it has been hard to prepare to preach this morning in a subject that, uh, that if I'm not careful causes me to shudder. But I sure am glad that the blood of Jesus covers my life and offers me strength and protection even from the worst attack. I pray that you'd bless us today for being in church today, for hearing your word. And may we leave this place more with more of a resolve to be the men and women you called us to be in our specific area of life. We love you today. We're thankful for your great goodness to us. And may we go in your great spirit of victory today. I ask these things in your name. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.